God's men should never mistake the, the humbleness and the lowliness and the long suffering of God as if He's forgotten about our sin. I mean, He has forgiven us of our sin. He remembers them no more. But wait a minute, judgment begins at the house of God. You're going to die, and everything you lived for outside of the will of Christ is going to burn. Everything. A fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The bullpens in this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have an interesting subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform which you're listening to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material you can listen to and read. If you're listening uh, through YouTube, please be sure to hit that subscribe and that like button and that notification bell. Yeah, I know it's a lot, but that's kind of how YouTube rolls, and if you like the video, feel free to leave a comment down at the bottom as well. Check us out on our fan page on Facebook when you type the at symbol and our mighty fortress. The Facebook page is growing more and more every day, and we usually post different content every day. You can also visit our website, which is basically the base for everything we do here, ourmightyfortress.com. We have a host of media you can look at. We'll have articles and videos and even our merch store where you can get the t-shirt with the logo on it. If you feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website and the PayPal established link. If we've helped you in some way through this work, please tell us at our email, which is the Fortress at gmail.com. Tell us about how we've done so. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to discuss about having discretion and being observant to the culture around us. This is both in our personal lives and politically in our nation. Christians in America have enjoyed a relative separation from what other Christians have endured in our modern world or in centuries past. Times are changing, though, and we can no longer put our heads in the metaphorical sands and just ignore the shift in culture and in politics. We're going to first look at the conflict of ideas when it comes to culture and philosophy. We'll further explore this and how to extract truth and error out of the common messages being put forth, even within general Christianity. Then we'll look at the overall Christian attitude towards the nation and how it affected some of the changes in political culture. From here, we'll take a glance at history and how it will one day repeat itself within the church. By the end of the podcast, I hope to show you that not only is history repeating itself, but we can be prepared for what is coming. Not only to be prepared, 
but to know our role as such is taking place. We must have discretion in these times. With that introduction, let's get right into this. From the beginning, in the epistles of the Apostle Paul, Christians have discussed and debated how culture should or shouldn't affect them in their life and practices. Probably the one of the most well-known passages of scripture about this comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. The church in the city of Corinth was dealing with many questions about what was not only commonplace culture, but the indecent aspects of Corinthian culture as well. In chapter 8 of the book, we see that Paul addresses if it was prohibited to eat meat that was offered to idols. Basically, the animals that were slaughtered in pagan rituals and then they were carved up and sold the market for like a better value than those animals who had not been. I'm sure that the question would have quickly arose because what if there were those who didn't have much money to buy the more premium meat, but maybe they could afford the cheaper meat that was offered to idols? I'm sure the question quickly arose to the church at Corinth. This was a moral and spiritual question that Paul had to address specifically. It should be noted, though, that Paul said it was all right to eat meat offered to idols unless it was being offered to you for the specific purpose of idolatry. For instance, if you were attending an acquaintance's dinner and they gave praise to how the meat was offered to the god Jupiter, well, for conscience sake, it's better to abstain from that particular meat at the feast. He said that, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That was Paul's response. Meat that was generally offered in these sacrifices, you know, specifically beef and sheep, were already said to be clean by God. Throughout 1 Corinthians, we are taught to have the right kind of discretion in making decisions about culture. What is discretion, though? It is prudence or knowledge and prudence, that discernment which enables a person to judge critically of what is correct and proper, united with caution. Now that's interesting, that last portion, united with caution. We're going to deal with this definition in its application in our lives. The scripture notes the use of discretion in several places, but let's look at one set that really defines the word's meaning. We see in the book of Proverbs in chapter 2 in verses 10 and 11, it says, quote, When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. End quote. The foundation of discretion is wisdom, and such wisdom is found in the word of God. The book of Proverbs itself was meant to instill the wisdom and truth in those who read it, as well as give descriptions of what God expects from a Christian. This is not to be confused with the wisdom of this world, which can often come from a sort of secular philosophy. The wisdom of this world is anything that is contrary to what God has said or established. If it is true, then the base is God because he created the earth. For instance, when men discovered trigonometry at various points in history, it is not his wisdom, but the God who designed a mathematically synchronized universe. Let me build a sort of foundation to this idea on why it matters. The Western world as a whole has looked to Athens, Greece, 
as its base for philosophy and ideas. The history and influence of Athens, when you read about it, is, is truly remarkable, actually. <laughs> there are many things that Athens has done well and that we as Christians can learn from. The first is the organization of speech and debate. Learning how to be in order is something that is applied to almost every university when you go to take a speech class in your freshman year. Even preachers of the gospel should learn how to speak well and to be able to speak to a very broad audience. Well, that takes practice, and there are certain principles that you can learn. An example of this would be not to use logical fallacies, which include ad hominems, which like attacking somebody's character in a debate or whatever, a straw man setting up a weak argument to knock it down and make your opponent look bad, and a red herring is like, hey, look over here, let's talk about this, have nothing to do with the subject. I mean, this is a good form of wisdom in which keeps your speech honest and on point. The Apostle Paul himself was a learned man, and, you know, he was also an amazing speaker. But there is another sort of wisdom that's found in Athens that is something the Bible speaks against very clearly, and that is humanism. The Greeks were very well known for glorifying the human self and body and its own wisdom. We could expound upon this in a whole podcast itself, but it's kind of the example that's found in Scripture when Paul visits Athens and speaks at Mars Hill. When Paul was in Athens, there were two major groups around him preaching that really summed up this type of thought. First was the Epicureans, who professed to believe in various gods, but they held that these gods didn't have any interest in the affairs of man. Basically, the universe was left to itself. If you think about it, these were what the deists would become later on the 1700s. There truly is nothing new under the sun, right? Coming from the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3. They believed that the pleasure most worth pursuing in this life was a life of tranquility, free of pain and above any fear to include death. They denied life after death as well. The other groups were the Stoics, who were quite the opposite, actually. They were fatalists and pantheists. God to them was the world's soul, and the world was God's body. <laughs> they believed that man should live according to, you know, to nature itself. To them, man should be above his passion and unmoved by joy or grief or pleasure or pain. When Paul preached at Mars Hill before Athens, wise men, many mocked him for believing in life after death, especially a resurrection of the dead. That speech itself was pretty powerful, and the event that took place there in Athens is something I could literally spend a whole podcast on because it's really amazing what God did there. This really gives us the context, though, to what Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3 and verse 19 when he says, quote, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness, end quote. With that foundation, this really builds a context for what God means by his wisdom when compared with the world's wisdom. The early Christians had struggled with the influence of Greek philosophy, and some of the early church fathers had much to say on the matter. In his writing against heretics, Tertullian wrote, quote, what indeed has Athens to do with Jerusalem? What concord is there between the academy and the church? What between heretics and Christians? 
our instruction comes from the porch of Solomon, who had himself taught, the Lord shall be sought in simplicity of heart, end quote. This isn't really much different in how we deal with the philosophies of this modern Western world. Having discretion has its base in wisdom, and wisdom is following after what the Lord has directed us to do. The church is under attack for many of its traditional and biblical values. The true roles within a family structure are under attack. The truth that there is man and woman as the only genders allowed by scripture is under attack. Even the character of God himself is under attack when men's philosophy attacks the character of Jesus Christ and why he came to earth. We are products of our own culture, and we have to fight against what we're used to hearing, and we have to match that alongside the Word of God. What do you believe about the previously mentioned? The pressure is only turning up in these areas as our culture has become more and more sensualized and focused on destroying America's foundations. In just those areas alone, the so-called Christian church has already capitulated on every front. I'm not saying that those who do so are truly born again, but it does give us a picture as to what is coming as the pressure is turning up on Christian belief. Critical race theory is another vain and humanistic philosophy that looks to bring the issue of race above all else. This is antithetical to what the scripture teaches in all of its facets, yet the Christian church is starting to adopt this Satanistic philosophy. God doesn't care what color you are because we're all human beings made after the Imago Deo or the image of God. The Christian pop culture has followed after the world's ways and philosophies, which has led many down the path of destruction. There are many Christian artists, and I use that term Christian very loosely, who say they have or are deconstructing their faith. This is basically throwing away fundamental Christianity and adopting critical race theory, gender theory, and the rest of it. We have to have discretion in these times and know what we believe and why we believe it. Another area involving discretion has been our utter failure as Christians. The American government, its officials, and all of the above are a reflection of the people. And that should tell us something about the church's failure as a whole to make the difference in this nation. Be rest assured that it's not God who failed, but it's the Christians who live in this nation who dropped the ball when it came to the influence. Going back to the world's philosophy, we've adapted the secular view that God has no place in government. Oh, but there's separation between church and state. That is utter nonsense and used out of context. That's not found in any government document in the foundation of our nation. It was written by Thomas Jefferson to a Baptist preacher about making sure that there is not a government church dictating like the Pope did in Europe because the Baptists of that time were getting some persecution from another Christian, so-called Christian group, and they wanted to make sure that they had the freedom to preach and teach here in America. 
the founding fathers saw what had happened in Europe with the Protestant versus Catholics wars and the destruction and the chaos that it caused politically. They did not want that to come to America. That was the ideology. Thomas Jefferson did not want one Christian church to dictate from government, but that does not mean that the government did not adhere to Christian morality. Literally, every founding father, even the non-believing ones, because not all the founding fathers were actually believers, but even they adhered and agreed with a Christian moral framework for the nation. It is all throughout their writings. Anybody who even picks up their writings will even understand that. The moral framework and government of a nation are two different entities, but they rely upon each other. Only Judeo-Christianity actually jives with our current constitutional republic, and that's for many reasons. The Christian moral framework is written all through our constitution, bill of rights, and a lot of our laws. So anyone who says that religion needs to stay out of politics and government is ignorant. That goes for any Christian who says so as well. Things are changing here in America, though, and we have to start using more discretion in how we deal with the government and even our ministries. The decline of culture and environment of America has taken decades to come to fruition, and it's still evolving and degrading downwards. We have politicians now that think nothing of violating people's rights from some edict that they want to write from their bench. There are lines being crossed that I'm not so sure that we're ever going to recover from as a nation. I really don't. This is mainly because those who do cross the lines are never held accountable. That goes for both Republicans and Democratic parties. Both are guilty at this big time. And the dirty secrets that are all through both parties is unbelievable. That's what made President Trump at the time so spectacular and why he got elected because he just decided to cast almost all of them aside and start saying the things that we were all thinking, which is <laughs> what made him so popular. Now, I do want you to think about this. We did have a very big victory when John MacArthur's church um, won that court case against California prohibiting churches from meeting. But it was only a slight setback in the agenda to destroy America and eventually destroy the church. What happens when the court's decisions no longer matters? It would not be the first time in history that lower courts or even the Supreme Court was ignored. I would say that that was a victory that buys us a little time. Now what we do with that time is up to us and we'll talk about more about that later. Christians should take the responsibility to stand up for what they believe in and for the foundational American principles in which they live in. If we were to stand from that platform, then we can have the power of God, because God is all through that. Many times we have lost the battle for this nation in different moral grounds because we present the wrong arguments. The issue with homosexual marriage abortion, pornography, and so much more have been argued with the wrong arguments for decades. We try to argue from a secular and legal presentation that has no moral foundation 
and thus we've lost at every turn. The Constitution literally can justify just about any belief that there is. Just a shift in moral culture uh, today, and you could justify pedophilia. You could justify polygamy. You could justify all sorts of things and say that it's constitutionally protected. What defines the right and wrong would be the moral foundation. But if you rip God from that moral foundation, then you can literally use the Constitution to justify anything. The Constitution is just a piece of paper unless it has a moral backing. That moral backing is God. Now, America is going to one day bow its knee to the Antichrist to come. But that doesn't mean that we have to have this defeatist mentality. We have to fight for righteousness every step of the way. Have you thought about what you would do if the sword of persecution actually came to America? I know, I know. We live our lives and it almost seems impossible that it could happen. Until the right virus comes along. Or the right tragedy comes. Just enough for government to overstep their boundaries. It was C.S. Lewis who once said, quote, Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. End quote. The road to tyranny is already being tread by America, and it won't be much longer if we continue down this path. We have seen our current president, Joe Biden, legislate from his executive orders, pushing vaccines upon the American people. This, of course, violates our constitutional rights, but the Biden administration doesn't even care. Just like they don't care about the right to life with abortion, they care less about your life, except that you capitulate to their every demand. It was never about the coronavirus this past almost two years now. And it's been about control from the very beginning. Money and power are the core themes of our government now. And that noose is ever closing around the church's neck. Again, what are you going to do if the government takes another step further to regulate what you're able to do in church? What are you going to do? They try to do that with the coronavirus. How many churches just folded over and didn't even step up with a fight? They just keeled over and died. And there are many less churches now because many of them closed down. It's important to have discretion as to what the government is going to do next. It is not far from what other Christians have to do when they hide in other nations that are particularly hostile to Christianity. But not in America, though, right? Well, times are changing. And that's that kind of attitude that's gotten us to this point in the first place. It may be time to start really standing up and labeling apostates and heretics. You need to know who the true brethren are. Because there's going to come a time in which we need each other more than ever. I have big disagreements with some legitimate Christian brethren. But... You know, they're not my enemy if they preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. We should stand up and defend for a pure and unadulterated doctrine that keeps the church holy. Yes, that's great. I would say, though, that we should also pay attention to the armies of darkness closing in around us 
and we better put on the whole armor of God to defend ourselves because they will have no mercy. We need to know who the true brethren are because when the sword comes, there may be those who claim to be Christians and who will deny Christ and then sell you out to the government. You don't think that's going to happen? It happened in the early church. One of the first major controversies of the early church was what to do with those people who sought to save their own lives before the Roman government and they denied Christ. How many sold out their friends, their family, just to save their own necks? I bet a lot did. These same people wanted to come back into the church like nothing ever happened. We don't even have true persecution happening yet, and the so-called Christian ministers are folding left and right. So what do you think would really happen if the sword actually comes? It's important to have discretion as to who the brethren are. So many lack discretion because they lack the knowledge of the scriptures. Remember the verse we used in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, when it said, quote, When wisdom entereth in thine heart, and wisdom is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, end quote. How are you going to know what to do when the sword comes, or it can be as simple as a personal trial that you're going through now. How are you going to know what to do if you don't know or read the word of God? As the United States Marine, they drilled us through combat tactics over and over and over and over again for hours that just seemed to be so annoying, but we got it into our muscle memory. Why? Because in the heat of battle, you didn't have to think about what you need to do at every aspect because you had trained for it. The same goes for the Christian who does not know the true wisdom of God. That person will not have discretion and they will go to their own destruction. So how does this apply to our everyday life? The battle is fought against the powers of darkness in every interaction we have with the people around us. You are either making a difference in people's life for Christ, or you're letting them go unto their own destruction. I understand that there are going to be people who are not going to listen, but that's okay. Do what the Apostle Paul did, shake the dust off your feet, metaphorically, and just go on to the next person. Our government is a reflection of the people. But what if we focused on the people? What would our country look like? Could God have mercy on us and withhold judgment for a time if we repented? I believe he could, and I believe he would, because he did it for Israel in the Old Testament. You and I have no say in what Joe Biden or any other wicked politician on either side of the aisle does. But we do have a dramatic impact in the people around us if we were just to have wisdom and discretion. I want to thank you for listening and be sure to follow us on the podcast media and take a look at our website, ourmightyfortress.com and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content and remember to find your refuge and strength in our mighty fortress.